Um, but this is part two of uh, how do people grow? And no, it's not eat more. We're talking about spiritual growth, right? Um, started this series last week. And so if this is your first time with us or maybe your first time for joining us online, uh, whatever it looks like, um, I'd really encourage you to go back uh, either on our website, gracepointtopeka.org or our YouTube page or podcast um, and catch part one because these, these messages kind of build on each other. Um, and, and I want you to, to, to have an idea of where, we, where we're coming from so you have an idea of where we're going. I told you last week that we were going to talk about three things that there may be more, and I may be wrong. You guys remember when I said that? Well, I was wrong, okay? I left last week, and I thought, no, there's another one. So this series went from four weeks to five weeks. We're going to talk about a fourth thing uh, that, that I think God uses to grow our faith um, at the end of uh, the message. But to get us started today, um, I need your help. And some of you, you're going to love this. Some of you are going to hate it. In fact, if I were sitting where you're sitting and you asked me what I'm getting ready to ask you, I'd be like, oh, brother, why can't he just talk to us and pray and dismiss, okay? So some of you are going to hate this, but I want you to actually talk to somebody around you, and it, it be somebody you know. I know all the introverts want somebody you know, okay? I get it. But I want you to talk to the people around you, and here's what I want. There's, there's one or two things that you're going to talk about. The first thing is I want you to tell them the name of a person that God used to help grow your faith. And it could be a parent, it could be a teacher, it could be a coach, it could be a pastor, it could be a coworker, whoever it was, um, talk about who was it that helped you grow in your faith. And maybe even talk a little bit about what they did to help you. Was it a conversation? Was it a relationship? Did they give you something? Uh, whatever it was. But then the second group, um, maybe you're here today or maybe you're watching online and you're not so sure about what you believe. Or maybe you're figuring this out. You're here trying to figure out what, what kind of faith or what your faith looks like. Well, I would like you to tell them the person that got you interested or re-interested to examine faith or re-examine faith. Who is that person and what did they do or what have they done to, to get you re-interested or to, to re-examine your faith? I'm put to these two questions up on the board so you have a little bit something to, 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 to reference, but who is that person? Again, even what they said or did that caused that. Everybody ready to have a forced conversation? Okay, ready, set, go. 30 seconds, real quick. You don't have to even turn your body, just turn your head. Okay. All right. All you extroverts, you can talk after service. Okay. Found any, anybody, anybody find a new friend? Some of you taking a golden corral today? No? So if, if I were to answer that question, there were two, two men specifically that would come to my mind. Um, and if you've been around Grace Point for any, any amount of time, I've told you about them before. You might not remember. But the first guy, his, his name was Scott Poe. Um, and Scott was really instrumental in my life when, when I was in junior high, uh, those sixth to eighth grade years. Um, Scott was a saint for putting up with my friends and I. 
um, he was our Sunday school teacher. And he'd show up every single week on Sunday, and, and he, would, he, he didn't do anything spectacular. He wasn't a great teacher. Like, he never took us to Disney World. I'm still a little bitter about that. Um, he, 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 I wouldn't even characterize him as a great evangelist. He just consistently, graciously loved us. Consistently pointed, like, I knew he loved Jesus, and he wanted us to love Jesus. So Scott Poe is one of those guys. The next guy in my life was Eddie Shigley. He was my youth pastor, and I've talked about Eddie a little bit before, but he showed up in my life when I was in eighth grade, and he was a consistent person in my life all the way until I graduated from high school. Um, and, and Eddie w- showed me what it looked like to follow Jesus. And, and we did that through going skiing in Colorado and softball, and football, and basketball, and and all the stuff that I love to do. But he also sat down and taught me how to study scripture. He taught me, um, uh, he he took us through, took my my friends and I through the the Bible study, Experiencing God, by Henry Blackaby, and where is God at work, and how can you join him? I mean, he constantly taught us this. He He did it in fun ways, he did it in big ways, he did it in small ways, but he challenged me to live out my faith to share my faith. Um, and, and this may sound weird to some of you, and some of you will identify with this, but when I was a kid, I thought Christianity was just for old people, <laughs> right? Like I was the son of a pastor, and I just thought to myself, yeah, I'm going to do my thing in high school and in college and, you know, for as long as I can. And then when I get old and I don't have any options anyway, then I'll start doing it real, like, right? Because by the time I'm old, sin won't be attractive anyway. Does anybody else think that way? Yeah, some of you still think that way today. He was the first person that made Christianity tangible for me, made it relevant for me. I needed somebody besides my parents, besides my grandparents, that could help me with that. He, he helped me to see that God had a plan for my life. And I had to choose every single day if I was going to follow Jesus or not. And he also taught me that the, the decision, that decision had consequences for my life. He taught that over and over and over. And looking back, I can see how God used him to help me experience faith in Jesus in a whole new way. And some of you, you have somebody like that. You just talked about them. Um, And and there've been other guys as an adult that have intersected my my life at different points to help me grow in my faith. And, And as an introvert, like some of you are like, you're not an introvert. Yeah, I am six days a week. For about three hours on Sunday morning, I'm an extrovert. But the rest of the time, I'm an introvert. The easiest thing for me to do is to retreat into my own mind and my own family and the closest people to me and even my own basement. (laughs) Just give me my basement and I'm good. That's my natural tendency. But I've realized, I've seen, I've lived enough life to see the way, one of the ways that God uses to grow my faith is other people, is relationships that he puts around me. It's helped me to shape my view of God, uh, shape my view of Jesus. It's helped me understand how the Holy Spirit is working in me and around me and through me. It's just, it's, it's such an integral part. I've never heard the story. You know what? I discovered God on my own, grew in my faith alone, and you know what? I'm just thriving with nobody else in my life. I've never heard that story. I have heard, um, I was alone in my house and I was watching the Billy Graham crusade and I met Jesus there. 
I've heard that. But you know what they always say? Almost every single time what they say next, I've never been to church, but I just felt like I was supposed to go to church. Hmm. It's almost like God knew they needed other people around them to help their faith grow. And so he nudges them towards a community. I hear that almost every single time. It's one of the things that God uses in our lives on a consistent basis to grow our faith, to grow our confidence, to grow our trust in who he is. And sometimes it's one conversation. I've heard those stories before, the airplane conversations. You know, you got two and a half hours, get them across the finish line. But most people, it's an ongoing conversation. It's an ongoing relationship. It's for some people, like you just watch them live their lives. You just watch how they love their family. You, you just watched how they said no to certain things. You watched how they lived with integrity. You watched, you know, live out the values that lined up with the way of Jesus. We all, we've all experienced this in some way. Here's, here's the point. Here's what we're focusing on today. God uses human relationships to grow our faith in him. And the opposite is also true. Like all principles, it works both ways. The other question I could have had you t- talk about or discuss, it would have been a little bit more awkward is, hey, turn to the person next to you and talk about somebody who didn't help your faith in God grow, who actually undermined your faith. Like you think about your biggest regret, it probably happened because of a group of people. It probably happened because they introduced you to something. Because because of that relationship or those relationships, you believed less. You found yourself further from God, further from where you wanted to be like the habits you have today that you have a hard time breaking are more than likely introduced to you through a relationship. Because relationships intersect with our faith for good and for bad, for growth and for death. So we can count on this for the rest of our lives. God will use, God wants to use relationships in our lives to grow our faith in him. And there are relationships that have the potential to undermine our faith. And if that's the case, and I doubt anybody would argue with that, what do we do? What do we do? I I think being aware of how relationships impact our faith is a good start, but I want to call you to something more. I want to encourage you to take a next step beyond that and leverage the relationships in your life or leverage some new relationships in your life allow God to grow your faith. And for some of you, maybe you're like me, you're an introvert, You struggle with figuring out how to enjoy or leverage relationships for the sake of your faith, and you've got some bad experiences from the past that that looked like that. For some of you, you grew up in a faith tradition where, um, you you know, relationship with Jesus was all about showing up on Sunday morning, and it was about singing something and, and, and listening to somebody talk at you or read something to you. And faith was this private thing between you and Jesus for about an hour on Sunday morning. For some of you, like you've never thought about how do I leverage relationships in my life in order for my faith to grow. But, but if we allow those things to keep us from pursuing this, if I would allow my introvertedness, if that's a word, to keep me from growing in my faith or allowing God to use relationships around me to grow my faith, we miss out. I miss out on one of the main things that God uses to impact and to grow our faith. The other thing is this. Every single day, you are around people. You work with them. You live with them. You do life with them. You are around people that could care less about your faith growing. 
they could care less. And it's not necessarily that they're combative, but they're not going to encourage it. They're not going to help you grow. And if you're not around people like that, the culture you find yourself is not going to push you towards greater faith in Jesus. The current of our culture is never towards confidence in God. It's never towards trust. It's always a way. And we haven't even touched on the sin nature that exists in every single one of us. I don't know about you, but I have never been tempted to do the right thing. You, I've never gone, you know, man, I'm really tempted to be kind today. I'm not going to give into that. No, I'm usually tempted to be unloving because that's my nature. That's, what, that's what's around us. So if, if that's the case, I think we should do whatever we need to do to leverage the relationships in our lives to help establish or, or to build, to grow greater confidence in God. And every relationship you have right now or could have in the future has the potential to do that or has the potential to take you in the other direction. So, show you two passages of Scripture, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. These verses just kind of point to the truth, the reality of what you've already experienced or what you will experience that God uses people, God uses a relationship to grow our faith. First one is Proverbs 13, 20. This is a great um, proverb to memorize. It's a great proverb to write on a note card and put up on your kid's mirror so they see this every single day. Um, you need to know in the original language, this is not a command. This is a general observation about life. It's wisdom, okay? So I think that's important to remember. Here's what the wisest man who ever lived said. Walk with the wise and become wise. Four, explanation. A companion of fools suffers harm. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. You don't have to be a Christian, you don't have to be a theologian to understand the truth here. He's, he's saying the people we choose to surround ourselves with have the potential to impact our lives. And if we walk with, if we do life with, if we journey with, surround ourselves with wise people, God uses those relationships. God uses those wise people to create something good in us. And in this case, wisdom. Wisdom, okay? Biblically speaking, a fool is someone who knows the difference between right and wrong, but doesn't care. And every single one of you just had a face pop into your head. You know somebody. They know the difference between right and wrong, but they don't care. They're foolish. They're fools. The wise person is someone who knows the difference between right and wrong, and they, they go after. They pursue what is right. Fools see life as disconnected, that, that, that today's decisions don't impact tomorrow. My behavior doesn't impact tomorrow. Wise people see life as connected. They see as the decisions I make now when I'm 20 affect me when I'm 50. The decisions I make now when I'm 40, they're going to affect me when I'm 80. They see life as connected. This is just true. Whether you agree with it or not, believe it or not, like it or not, people who walk with wise people become wise. A companion of fools. You surround yourself by foolish people. You're going to suffer harm. The other verse, New Testament from 1 Corinthians. Mark already read from 1 Corinthians earlier. This says, same thing, but in a different way. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And some of you would say, but yeah, they make great music. 
right? Little joke from the 70s, Bad Company was a band. Anyway, the point Paul is making. Human relationships can have a negative spiritual impact. And again, Christian or not, agree with the Bible or not, believe the Bible or not, you know certain relationships have a negative impact on your character. And the God who loves you enough to send Jesus to die on your behalf, the God who cares about your eternity, the God who cares about your life here and now, understands this. He created life. He says to you, it's, it's more than just common sense. It's more than choosing right friends. There's a spiritual component to this. The right kind of influences impact you in a way, or the wrong kind of influences impact you in a way that create the wrong kinds of outcomes, the wrong kinds of behaviors. Just as the person who walks with the wise becomes wise, the companion of fools suffers harm. In the same way, bad company corrupts good character. And the question is, Again, if we've all seen this play out in our lives or in lives of the people around us, if if it's a principle we know is true, what do we do with that? Like, what's your part to play? What's my part to play? It's one of the reasons you hear us talk so much about and emphasize so much and put so much time and energy and resources into these environments where life change can happen. When we say environments, we're not talking about physical environments. The physical environment's important. But that's not what we're after. We're after the relational environment. We're after connecting people to other people. And the way we've said this when it comes to groups, when it comes to biblical community, circles are better than rows. Circles are better than rows. We want to move people from simply sitting in a row on Sunday, which isn't a relational environment, but how relational can you really be staring at the back of somebody's head? How relational is it really when you just sit there and listen to me talk for 25, 30, 35 minutes sometimes, right? It's not that relational. We want to move people from rows to circles, sitting with with other people around a living room, around a table at a restaurant or in a a coffee shop, which which it's 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 a more intimate, closer relational environment. And we don't say that we're trying to create environments where life change can happen because we think we can create the kind of relationships that will grow your faith. We can't. We don't believe that. We know we can't. But we can create the potential. We can create the time and the space that God can work and move in such a way that he can create those kind of relationships. He's the one who creates that. Where where you look back a year from now, five years from now, 20 years from now and go, and then I met him. And then I met her. And then I met, we met them and we heard their story and we got to know them and, and how God worked in their life. And it was almost like God started to work in our life. And they, they talked about how they were reading the Bible and this is what God showed them. And then God showed me this when I started reading the Bible, when I started praying, when I started sharing my faith. It's God uses human relationships to grow our faith in him. And and just like I have a part to play as your spiritual leader, just as we have a part to play as your spiritual leaders, you have a part to play as well. I can lead a horse to water. I can't make him drink. I can create the environment. We can create the environments, but we can't force you. God is willing and able to work through relationships to grow your faith, but he always gives you a choice. 
always gives us a choice. The part that you and I play is being intentional about putting ourselves in a circle on a regular basis where those relationships can form and grow. And, and it looks different at every stage of life. But those are the kinds of environments we're trying to create. If you drop your kids off downstairs on Sunday morning or you drop your kids off on Wednesday night, I guarantee you we're trying to create an environment like that. And you want your kids in an environment like that. I promise you, if you don't, there is coming a day when you wish there was another adult teaching and modeling for them the same things you are. And I also promise you, if you wait until you feel that need, it's too late. It's too late. I was a youth pastor for six years. Saw it over and over and over again. I've been a lead pastor for the last 15, and one of the best things you can do for your kids' faith is to get them into a spiritually, relationally rich environment where God can use those people to connect them to him. And you cannot wait until 11th grade. It will be too late. And, and, and that's not necessarily a guarantee. And this isn't even about our church programs. This is simply about leveraging this principle in your child's life. Because God uses human relationships to grow our faith in him no matter what age. Okay? Let me talk to you, those of you who are 20-somethings, 30-somethings. Um, you're in those baby-making, child-rearing years. Okay? And I know. I know. It feels like you don't have margin for this kind of thing. When Jana and I were in that stage, and we're still kind of in that stage, but it oftentimes felt more like a burden to be in a group. It, 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 it felt one more thing to do in our week. We had to figure out what to do with the kids. We were so tired. <laughs> and and it, honestly, it just felt like a hassle sometimes. And even as, as pastor, there have been a few seasons over the last 15 or so years where we just had to take a step back. And we were not in a group, but we always circled back around to getting in a circle. We always came back to it. And today, we can look back and see how God used that time. He used those relationships with some people that we're not even in relationship with anymore. But we saw God use those people to grow our faith. Listen, 20-somethings, 30-somethings, even those of you who are 40-somethings like me, I know you're busy. I would ask what you're busy with, but that's a message for another time. I know you're busy. I know you feel like a taxi service. I know you're tired and it feels more like a burden than a joy sometimes. But I am telling you, as someone who's on the other side of this thing, God will use relationships in your life if you allow him to. If you put yourself in that kind of environment on a regular basis, take it from an introverted guy who this is a discipline for me. Take it from somebody who is almost out of that stage. Praise him. Okay? Telling you. God will use that. I love my kids, by the way. I always want to make sure. I love my children. Okay? So here's my challenge. Here's my encouragement. Here's my nudge. Regardless of what, how old you are or what stage of life you're in, if you're not in a group, I want you to put yourself out there. 
And I want you to either get in a group or I want you to start a group. I want you to get into a, a, a group where on a regular basis and you define what regular looks like where God can use human relationship to grow your faith. And, and we have some of those environments. You can see them on the Church Center app. If you have that, they're on our website. There's um, hard copies out on the groups table um, after service if you want to grab one of those. But there's groups that we have for you to jump into. I want to encourage those of you who aren't in one to get into one, to jump into one. Even if you had a bad experience in the past with a group. Hey, have you ever had a bad haircut? Did you stop getting haircuts? Ever had a bad experience with a doctor? Did you stop going to the doctor? No, you just found another one. And I know it's a little bit weird because you're still going to church with some of those people. <laughs> like, I get that. But I want to encourage you. Jump in. Get in a group. Some of you, you've been in the same group for years and years and years, and, and you may not say it like this, but you're kind of getting bored with it. Or maybe you're getting bored with them. I, I don't know how else to say this. But my experience is when people start to get bored with something, it's probably time for you to start leading something. It's time for you to take a step. It's time for you to get out of the boat because you know God uses human relationships to grow your faith. Well, maybe he wants to use you to help somebody else's faith grow. You need to start something. You need to lead something. You need to facilitate something. We've got tools. We've got coaching. We've got all the stuff that you need to make that happen, and we'd love to have a conversation with you about that. Okay. Last thing and I'm done. When I was a youth pastor, I would say this to, to the students over and over and over again, because it's such a formative life, time in their life. I would say, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Some of you have heard this before. Just talk to me about your friendships. Tell me what you do with them. Tell me how they influence you. Tell me how you influence them. What are you doing on Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday? What do you, talk, tell me about your friends, and I will tell you what the next five to ten years of your life looks like. And it wasn't a prophecy thing. It wasn't a, you know, a prediction thing. It was a principle thing. He who walks with the wise becomes wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. And some of your parents are like, oh, that's so good. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to tell my kids pause. It's just as true for you as it is for them. Show me your friends. Talk to me about the people who are influencing you. And you say, well, I'm 45. Nobody influences me. <laughs> yes, they do. They do. Show me your friends and I will show you the direction and quality of your faith over the next five to 10 years. It's just true. It's just how it works. What's your plan to leverage that principle in your life? How are you going to do that? We got, we, got some, we got some ideas for you. We've got some environments we'd love for you to be involved in. And some of you need to step into those. Some of you may step into a leadership or facilitated role. All those things are good and great. But it all comes back to how do people grow? How do people grow in a relationship with Jesus? I think he wants your faith to be really, really big. Because big faith equals great confidence. And great confidence equals intimacy. It equals close relationship. And that's where he wants to take you. So what's your plan? How are you going to do that? How are you doing that? And if you already got a plan, keep working the plan. Keep doing it. But we've got some, we've got some steps that you can take. Let us help you take some of those steps. All right? Good. That's all I got to say about this. You can leave now. Bye.